I'll break down addition to its components. It sounds like architecture. Yeah. Or just like, you know, you, you teach students how to read like writers. And instead of it just being like, ah, there was one full experience, you know, you have to be able to decide how did the writer get that experience. And a chef can do the same. How, mm. how did the chef make this, you know, have the, the effect that it has? Are you the kind of person who who reads cookbooks for fun? Oh, I am. I, I get a lot from the library. And then I just sit there and page through them because a little pop in my brain happens when I see a food word. If I see the word like cream, or if I see, mm. I don't know, like the name of a wine, I I just am like, oh, it makes me happy. And I think a lot of people are like that. There is something immediately sensual about it and something pleasurable. You know, I mean, we need food. It's it's pretty obviously deep in our our brains that we're going to respond well to that. So for the vast majority of us, I think it's just a sensual pleasure that makes us happy, even just to have it floating in the background. The first desserts were now moving past him, and Britt raised his eyebrows at a server to signal her to slow down and let him look at the plates. The beignet, a generous little pile of sugared pastry next to their glass cup of basil cream. The pears all plump, feminine roundness beneath a veil of warmed dulce de leche. He watched Joshua serve a table of four, placing a dish at an empty seat whose occupant had gone to the restroom. Britt sighed. When Joshua saw Britt watching, he reddened and sidled over to him. She keeps leaving, he muttered under the din. Is she feeding a freaking pet back there or what? Your characters are not only chefs, they're also restaurateurs. They work the front of the house, they hire and fire staff, they pay incredibly minute attention, not just to the food, but to the entire dining experience in their restaurants. And to say that was kind of a revelation to me. That was, I think, a big reason why I wanted to write about it, because that's been a really interesting part of this whole restaurant revolution that's happened in the U.S. in the last several years, which is that you can go out for a dinner at a place where you're not going to spend $300 a person, but the same kind of attention has still gone into creating a certain kind of theater, you know, because now people very specifically are trying to show you who they are by how the waitstaff looks or exactly, you know, what they're saying on the menu and that kind of thing. And it's all of this sort of short hand and it's a kind of theater and we just accept it because we've learned this language without even intending to. So what for you goes into outstanding service? I mean, what annoys you if you go out? Oh, yes, I have many things. Um, the things that annoy me are if I ask a waiter or waitress what's good or what's especially interesting, what I'm asking is, you know, you know this kitchen or you should. I expect for you to say everything is great, but I want to know what is especially well done. And I absolutely cannot stand it when the server says, oh, well, that depends on what you're in the mood for. I was just like, yes, I'm aware I have tastes, and they might not be the same as yours, but this is why you're here. As a restaurant diner, reading your book, I find it kind of alarming how much your characters know about the patrons at the restaurants. I mean, how much can you really tell about, say, a party at a table after just one night? You know... I do think you can see things. Um, I wrote an essay about this one time about a couple on a first date when I was waiting tables. And it was a terribly awkward date. Or maybe it was just a last date. I don't know. I said first date because it felt to me like a blind date that wasn't going very well. It was just silence at the table and they didn't seem to be enjoying the food. And then the woman got up to go to the restroom before the main course and she never came back. <laughs> and... And yet I have to admit, I, in a way, you, I wasn't surprised. I was shocked because I never thought anyone actually did that in real life. But, you know, you could just feel you can read a table very quickly and you can sort of see how people are behaving with one another. And it's a really fascinating sort of human experiment. Well, it's great training for a novelist. Exactly. Which is good because most of us wait tables at some point. And, and perhaps <laughs> will again. You never know. Michelle Wilgen's novel is called Bread and Butter. 
Her earlier novel, You're Not You, was turned into a film starring Hilary Swank. And Michelle will be back a little later this hour to talk with one of her real-life culinary heroes, Alice Waters, the founder of Chez Panisse, the restaurant that launched a revolution in American eating. And here's another novel that takes us inside the food industry in a very different way. Sweetness Number 9 is a darkly comic debut novel from Stefan Eric Clark. It's the story of a young man who lands his dream job as a chemist in the secretive world of an industrial flavor manufacturer. Doug Gordon asked Stefan Clark for a taste of the book. a truly remarkable flavor, you had to know what a sample's subtlest notes were comprised of. And this is in many ways a godly task. Consider the humble pot roast.